Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. This fall, many of the episodes of the Puberty Prof Podcast are focusing on mental, emotional, and social events that preteens and teens may experience. One specific event includes challenges pertaining to their mental and emotional health, including a mental health diagnosis. To help us better understand this, I invited the wonderful and caring Brant Gauthier from my local NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And if you've never heard of this organization, please look it up. It's one of my favorite in the United States that deals with the realities and truths of mental illnesses and as well as other mental and emotional health aspects in our lives. So thank you so much for being here today, Brant. Do you want to say hi to our audience and introduce a little bit about who you are? Yeah, thanks, Lori. Wonderful to be here. Such a such a very um, important topic, especially these days, mental health in teens and preteens. As Lori mentioned, my name is Brant Gauthier. I'm with the NAMI Southwest Michigan chapter. And if you don't know anything about the National Alliance on Mental Illness, just real quickly, we are the largest grassroots organization in the country that is dedicated to bettering the lives of the millions of Americans and their families who are dealing with and living with mental health conditions. One one of the ways we do that is through education and outreach. Um, We offer a whole host of signature education programs and support groups. One that I'm intimately involved with is called Ending the Silence, that is for students, faculty, and staff in schools and families. And it's really about raising awareness around mental health and mental health conditions. So again, thank you so much for having me, Lori. Thank you for doing all that you're doing. And I remember when I was first introduced to NAMI when I was teaching back in New York on Long Island. And right away, it was like, this is what young people need. They need to know about the truths behind mental and emotional health and mental illnesses. And we need to remove stigmas associated with them. So before we jump right into anything regarding challenges, can I ask if you recall anything about your puberty experience or growing up as a preteen to a teenager? Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, and probably a lot of people say this, and but it's true. It was very difficult for me. We hear, maybe your listeners haven't heard, but we, we hear dealing with mental health a lot about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and how those shape our well-being, which includes mental health later in life. And for those of your viewers that are listeners that don't know about ACEs, it was a study done in mid-90s, late-90s by Kaiser Permanente in conjunction with the CDC, and they identified kind of 10 I guess we label dysfunctions that preteens and teens experience. And, um, you know, just real quick, you know, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, physical and emotional neglect, and then uh, mental illness in the households, a relative may be incarcerated, a primary caretaker treated violently, substance abuse in the household, and perhaps divorce or death of a parent or caretaker. So my preteen years were 
filled with a lot of those. Um, and so it was really, really difficult. It was an abusive family that I grew up in, um, emotionally and verbally. Um, and there was physical violence in the household as well. So it was, uh, it was very trying time. And I didn't have a lot of places I could turn to that I felt I could turn to, to talk about what was going on, not only with my own mental health, but as my body was changing. And, you know, these are the years that shape what we're going to be like later in life. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was challenging, very challenging for me in my preteen and teen years. So. Do you perceive that certainly those are challenging events? Mm -hmm. Those are, and we have challenging things as we grow up. Are we able to provide some tools for people to help them get through that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's part of what uh, we do um, at the National Alliance of Mental Illness is providing those education, those tools for not only young people, you know, I've spoken to a lot of middle schoolers um, and high schoolers, but also for their teachers and for their families and parents. So, you know, we have, a, you know, some wonderful education uh, programs that really teach youth and adolescents about identifying warning signs about mental illness, eliminating the stigma surrounding them. So yeah, there, there's a lot that can be, can be done to really, you know, stop this, what I'd call an epidemic, pandemic of mental health conditions going on, especially in the youth of America today. Um, you know, just real quickly, some, some statistics about the youth in America, you know, one in six youth aged six to 17 are going to experience a mental health disorder in each year. Raise that to, um, you know, eight to 17, and it's one in five, 20%. And then half of all lifetime cases of um, mental health conditions, diagnosed with mental health conditions, begin manifesting themselves by age 14. So it starts, it starts very, very young in the youth in America today. When I first started teaching, I believe I was taught that this sort of stuff with diagnosis of a mental illness couldn't occur until you reached a certain age. Yet it seems like we can diagnose earlier in which you had said from the age of six on up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the reason probably back, uh, you know, when I was growing up, when you were growing up is that we didn't talk about these things, mental health, mental health conditions. And it's still prevalent today. 50% of children aged eight to 15 years old, 50% of those children who are experiencing some sort of diagnosable mental health condition are not receiving treatment for a variety of reasons. But one of the main ones is the stigma that still surrounds mental health and mental illness and mental health conditions. Um, in, in our country today. So if a parent or other caregiver, including an educator, is listening in here, what should they look for in a child that might show that they're having some struggles? Yeah, so um, great. Yeah, great question. You know, for teachers in class, you know, some things they may see are a, uh, a student starts missing classes frequently when they were a regular attender before they get sloppy in their assignments and tests, blowing them off when before, you know, maybe they were a straight A or B student, all of a sudden uh, their grades start slipping and they're not turning in assignments or tests. Quality of work is getting worse or they seem extremely disorganized. And then specifically in their schoolwork, perhaps the student is expressing violence, thoughts of death, hopelessness, 
or they're seeking out special condition. I'm another one. And this, this was me when I was younger. Uh, signs of perfectionism, getting very, very emotional about grades, about bad grades. Everything's got to be just perfect. So those are some things um, teachers may see in their classrooms. And then for parents at home, maybe their son or daughter their, um, or whoever they're caring for, they're running late. Um, they're unexpectedly rude. They start misplacing things. They seem very isolated, not participating in social situations when before maybe they were quite outgoing. Other ones, you know, using alcohol or drugs excessively, hypersexuality as well could be a, could be a sign of something mental health related going on. Extreme overreactions to disappointments or failure, very reactive and defensive about rejection and constructive criticism, difficulty sleeping at night. That was definitely me growing up. High activity levels at nighttime when they should be resting, you know, for the coming day. And then a lying, making up stories. So these are all things uh, teachers may see at school, parents may see at home that, you know, might need to be addressed with their son, daughter, um, whoever they're caring for, or their students um, they're teaching. I think if somebody says, well, they're going through puberty, they're having this release of hormones, they're going to get moodier. Wouldn't that be attributed to some of it that it's puberty? But (laughs) so is there a fine line of when does it become more of a concern? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, and as I tell, you know, students, when I speak, speak to them, you know, about recognizing warning signs for mental health conditions is that, you know, we all experience stresses or mood swings, you know, we get a bad grade on a test. Yeah, we're going to feel bad about it. But what we really need to look at are the intensity, how severe are those symptoms, duration, how long are these episodes and outbursts lasting, and the level of distress, how much are they impairing the daily functioning of your of the student or son or daughter. You know, that's the big one right there is we're, we talk about these warning signs and things to look for in the, when they really start impacting the student's ability to function normally and go about their normal daily routine. So it is, it is a gray line. It's a fine line, but again, look for the intensity, look for the duration and look for the level of distress. Would you mind going over some of those signs yeah, so um, so the symptoms that a, a young person, preteen, adolescent, whatever may uh, may experience are, um, you know, extreme extreme difficulty concentrating, staying up to date on school assignments, feelings of sadness or being withdrawn that lasts for more than two weeks. You know, I always I always equate it to um, you know, hey, you know, if your favorite sports team loses, you get upset at night, you're sad. You wake up the next morning, you go about your day-to-day routine. Those aren't the things we're talking about. We're talking about those feelings of overwhelming sadness that consume you. You don't want to get out of bed. You just want to stay in bed all day. So those are the things we're talking about when feeling sad or withdrawn for a week, two weeks, maybe even longer. Uh, Severe, out-of-control, risk-taking behaviors that might cause harm to themselves or others. You know, I share with, with my students when I speak with them, you know, I was a I was a lead foot because I felt invincible when I was in high school. I first got my license. Nothing was going to stop me. I was an adrenaline junkie seeking out that next thrill, uh, that rush. You know, drastic changes in mood, behavior, sleeping habits that a, a young person might experience. Intense worries or fears seemingly for no reason. 
that get in the way of day-to-day activities, eating disorders, you know, throwing up laxatives, not eating to lose weight, again, using alcohol or drugs successfully, and then ultimately, um, you know, they may try to harm themselves, talk about or attempt suicide. So these are these are warning signs, symptoms that young people may recognize in themselves or their friends that, hey, I need to tell somebody and talk to somebody about what's going on. Yeah. I remember, and I still have it actually, when I was back in New York, I was provided lessons and it was called Breaking the Silence and it was from Mm -hmm. NAMI. So if you're a teacher out there, look these up. I know they're available online. You can even connect with me to see how we can find them. And there was a story about a boy, I think his name was Brian, in which he had a fight when he was at like a, a summer camp, a sleepaway summer camp. And one of the symptoms for him was that he couldn't let it go. And he couldn't, it was weeks, if not months later, and he couldn't let this go, even though the fight was resolved, people received consequences, and he was obsessed with it. I don't know if you know the story I'm referring to. No, I, yeah, I'm not familiar with that one, but yeah. Okay. Because I thought it was interesting. And it, it was a story in which then students in my eighth grade class evaluated it. And they're like, wow, this is, and it's, you know, stuff happens. So it's these things that at first you might get angry at, but if it doesn't, if it's not let go, that can be a potential symptom that you Mm -hmm. have within yourself. Yep. Now, something that I've run across at times, and I've had other educators ask me this or parents is say, if kids are trying to self-diagnose themselves, Mm -hmm. which yeah. yeah, and that's that's something you got to be careful about. Yeah, because when you know when we speak to students, we we don't want them to start self-diagnosing themselves for sure. Um, but we do want them to be aware of the signs and symptoms that they might be experiencing or seeing in others. So it's yeah, it's again another kind of gray area. You don't want somebody to you know a student go, oh well. I have depression. Well, there's there might be other things um, going on as well. So that's really if there if there's concern, you know, you, you need to talk with your child or your student and and really try to get to the address what's really causing this. Is it is it mental health condition or is it something else? Because not not every reaction, not every outburst is a mental health condition. So we have to be careful about that. But yeah, definitely do not want um, students going down that path of self-diagnosing themselves. So what recommendations do you have for parents, teachers, or other caregivers regarding having a concern about someone? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's different for, for every person. You know, first, you know, if you have concerns, the first thing is, is talk with your child or student, you know, a time that you feel your child feels safe or comfortable and address it in a calm, straightforward way. Don't assign blame read their, you know, body language when you're, when you're asking them, you know, Hey, what's going on? If your student or child becomes upset, you know, might have to back off a little. Um, and then just listen openly, you know, it's, it's all about how you start the conversation. You know, you don't, things you don't want to say, or you don't want to dismiss things right offhand. Like, ah, we all go through times like this. You'll be fine. Might be true, but you, you, you don't want to start there. You know, don't ask questions that, um, give you just a definitive yes, no answer. You know, are you okay? You're not having any problems, are you? Avoid those types of things. And, you know, you might want to talk with the school staff too, you know, if you're a parent to see if they're seeing the same things. You know, a lot of times things might be different at home versus in the school. So that it might not necessarily be something mental health related, but if you're 
if the school, the staff, the teachers there are seeing some of the same warning signs that you're seeing, it might be time to talk to a healthcare professional, you know, share your concerns with a healthcare professional, ask, ask them if an evaluation is needed, reach out to family, friends, school community for, for a referral, and then educate yourself as well about mental health and mental health conditions. So it all kind of starts there, having that conversation. And then, you know, as a, as a parent or um, school teacher, staff member is then if you, if you do feel something is um, needs further addressing with a mental health professional going down that path. So I know we usually advise parents and other caregivers to do a regular check-in no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it also definitely during this time of any of these signs that you see to do a check-in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, you know, and it's, it's when you're doing those check-ins, you know, like I said, don't ask yes, no questions. Like you're okay. Aren't you? You don't have any problems going on. Do you, you know, so say, like, Hey, you know, just start the conversation casually. Hey, how are things going? You know, you know, what's going on here and there. Just have a, have a nice conversation with your son, daughter, or student. If somebody has a concern, can they call up NAMI? Uh, yeah, we have a dedicated hotline. If you go to NAMI.org, 800-950-NAMI. It's a 24-hour helpline that um, you, know, you can get support, recommendations from really good trained professionals. What was the number again? It is 1-800-950. 950-N-A-M-I. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I remember the story of a woman who was very concerned about her son who came home from college and she walked into his room and saw post-its with names on things and she didn't know what to do. And she called up NAMI and she was directed to go check in with her son as soon as possible. And it was the best thing ever. And it was, it's so great that that service is available. So thank mm-hmm. you for having that service available. Yeah. I really appreciate Nami having that. Mm-hmm. Now, when somebody is diagnosed with something, what's some of the treatment and or coping skills that are typically recommended? Yeah. I mean, it, it all depends on where you are in your journey. You know, not only for somebody who is living with a diagnosed mental health condition, but for all of us, and especially, um, you know, teens and preteens, listening to music, meditation, even playing video games, you know, finding a hobby or something that, that kind of relaxes you. It's, it's really important for not, all, not only all of us, but especially somebody living with a mental health condition. And then, you know, there's a whole host of different treatment options, um, medication important to a lot of people. There should not be a stigma associated with using medication to treat mental health conditions because I think there's been a lot of PSAs that I've seen on TV lately. Mental health is health. It's just like somebody, you know, just like treating high blood pressure or high cholesterol, a, a chronic condition that requires medication. The same is true for a lot of people with mental health. So again, should not be a stigma therapists, you know, that, that was for me talking to somebody that, um, that I didn't really know that didn't have any preconceived notions or perceived biases, uh, against me just opening up. It's a huge, huge relief for me just to, just to get that burden off my shoulders about things I was feeling and internalizing animals, you know, important to a lot of people, um, you know, 
emotionally supportive animals. Um, so there's there's just a whole host of treatment options available out there. But the important thing is is that there is a lot of treatment options out there, and the sooner somebody gets the treatment they need, the much much better the results later in life. Yeah, and I got to throw in my own coping skill of moving my body. Because I know once I do it, it's hard to maybe start some days, but Mm -hmm. once I do it, it's like, oh, yeah, I feel better. Those natural endorphins. And I am having someone talk about mindfulness on one of the episodes, which I think is really important for people to be connected to their body and to be in the moment, take a breath. Is there anything else you would like to share, Brant? Like I said, education is, is step one in for lack of a better word, you know, the this pandemic epidemic of mental health crisis really that has been going on for years and has been unaddressed for so long. So education is, is so important, knowing those warning signs, recognizing the signs and symptoms, learning how to reach out and respond and talk to somebody, whether it's you a friend, a loved one, a student you teach, a son or daughter, how to reach out, respond, and then, and then you know, working together and providing resources and support and getting the, getting the treatment options that are necessary to, to really help somebody in their, in their journey, in their battle. Yeah. And isn't it true that most medical plans now support the counseling, the mental health support counseling. Yeah, there is. And um, yeah, even um, if you don't have private insurance, you know, the community mental health organizations that are run at the county level, at least here in the state of Michigan, it's it's a Medicaid option for those that might not be under private insurance. So yeah, there's, there is a lot of, people just don't know where to go, you know, yeah. so there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of options out there. Yeah. Whether it's through your private medical or through Medicaid. Thank you. And I have to add an additional thank you regarding sharing who you are and your honesty, because from what I've learned in my life is sometimes people that identify as male, they don't always talk about this stuff. It's like you're not supposed to admit that you have a challenge going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that that is so true. And that that was me growing up, you know, a lot of times we're told, especially males, grow up, don't be such a baby, man up, suck it up. You know, those are things I heard a lot growing up. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of young people still hear those things today. So it's, it's just really important to, to break those chains of stigma that are associated with mental health and mental health conditions. Well, again, I thank you. Thank you for your honesty. And is there anything else you'd like to share? No. Uh, well, we actually, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a plug here um, for your listeners who maybe are in the Southwest Michigan area. You know, this is kind of related. A young man, he's going to be a senior in high school this year, approached us and is organizing a charity golf outing with all the proceeds going to our local affiliate of uh, NAMI here. So it's teeupforteens.com. This, this young man is just, just unbelievable. Mental health, condition and mental illness has affected his family and it's been um, just magnified by the pandemic as well. So he's kind of taking this on himself. So we're working together with him. It's uh, August 28th at the Prairies in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Like I said, teeupforteens.com. You can read about this young man's story and why he's doing this at that website. So it's, it's, 
it's just it's just great that um, I actually spoke at his high school a few years ago. I, he kind of remembered me, so hopefully I had a lasting impact on him to you know to take up this wonderful wonderful project. Wonderful. And in case this might be released after that date, but yep. they can still donate if they choose to. Absolutely. Or- Okay, yep. great. Yep. Thank you, Brand, for that. And good for you. I'm so glad that, that you're there for young people and that you go into, you had said, the middle schools, the high schools, mm-hmm. and the colleges, too. Yep. Yep. Wonderful. Well, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, are they able to? Uh, yeah, you can go to um, our website, number one, for our local chapter here. It's NAMI Southwestmich.org. So that's N A M I S W M I C H.org. You can email me at Brant, B-R-A-N-T, at N-A-M-I-K-Z-O-O dot org. And yeah, we have all kinds of contact information on our on our local affiliate website. My number's up. Yeah. Oh, I'm just looking at it right now. My, my phone number's on there. <laughs> uh, my email address is on there. If you go to uh, you know, org about, click the about link, and towards the bottom is my contact information. So... Wonderful. And what's neat is when I first moved here and I realized that there was a NAMI mm-hmm. in the area, that, that just shows that NAMI is now across every state. Mm-hmm. So feel free to check in in your local area. And I thank you again so much, Brant, for being here and for everything that you're doing. And for anybody listening in, there is a reason for why you're on this planet. If you are feeling any of these symptoms that Brant went over, please reach out to somebody that you trust, please call up NAMI, call them up and they will direct you to whoever will be best for you. They'll do what they can because you are worth it. There's a reason why you're on this planet. So thanks for listening today. And thank you, Brant, for being here. I hope you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.